Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. I'm just gonna. Sorry. Pardon that. I should have done it's that before fall. we started. It's It's getting dark. It's definitely earlier, got a snap in the air. Getting dark longer into the morning than you feel like is yeah. right. I've put pumpkins on my front porch. Yeah. Oh, have you? I've put pumpkins on my table. I don't put them on the front porch usually out here because of my wind. Well, the pumpkins would be fine. I don't know why I don't put them on the front porch. <laughs> I think it's because it doesn't go with anything else. Like, uh, yeah. I have occasionally done the thing where you put a thing of mums out on the porch and then it's just gonzo by tomorrow. You know, I there's put, no reason to do it here. No, I put mums on the front porch and they, yesterday they went over to the dark side. They just look really bad and I don't know what the matter is. But yeah. they were cute for me. I do that, but there's not going to be any little decorative gambits on my windy <laughs> front porch. So I think then I just quit. I haven't. Oh, Probably funny. if I was hosting a baby shower or something, I would put pumpkins. Yeah. You know, I I've would put do pumpkins it. around because my hanging baskets finally bit the dust and I just wanted something else on yeah. there. So I put pumpkins. Yeah, they're cute. And I will say that in my neighborhood, people are just going hog wild ugly bug with their Halloween oh, yeah. decor right now. And it just drives me nuts because I went on a walk this morning and it's so pretty out and it's like the leaves are starting to change. And you're walking past these tackety-ackety plastic severed hands lying <laughs> in people's front yards. and But they're just so like, you bought it at Walmart, it was ugly there, it's ugly now, and it's just lying in your front yard. It's actually like, interesting though because ugliness, like I, we lived through the moment when people decided that Halloween was going to be the big holiday. Yeah, this is where we're going to go. Because it didn't used to be. Uh-uh. It used to be every once in a blue moon, there was some character that went big on it yeah. in the town. But not like, no. as a people, we delight in weird, you know, skeletal situations. Yeah, I know. It's like people with yucky wigs on skeletons dangling out of their trees, you know? Yeah, you're like, like why, <laughs> guys? Why? But It is such a funny... But, Fascination. But it kind of interesting makes me... because ugliness actually is the point of so much right now. Yeah. Like it is. the whole culture building scene right now is mm-hmm. ugliness more and more. It kind of makes me want to like we've never I mean I've never done that, obviously, for Halloween and you know, I put pumpkins out, but that's kind of just, you know, October and mm-hmm. stuff. But it feels like if we just didn't do anything, then you just didn't do anything. But it makes me have this urge to, like, go the opposite way somehow. Like, make the front porch really pretty for Halloween night. <laughs> I don't know. But it's Maybe just... you could do... Maybe what you could do is a big, you know, sort of like at Christmas, people do the nativity things, but... You should do big, you know, the Wittenberg door. Yeah, I was going to say. Martin could, Luther. Martin Luther. Someone reenacting. <laughs> I was going to say, that could get creepier than anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> it totally would. There's this, there's this sign in Boise, somewhere in Boise, and Ben remembers it from his childhood, and it's a, it's a laundromat or something. Uh-huh. And it has this woman up, like way up on a sign, 
and it's she's like motorized, so she's sort of scrubbing on a washboard, and he oh. just and wearing like clothes that are kind of flapping, and he was very like not a fan of that when he was a kid. Yeah, and it I can see why because it's really like oh she's up there with her little washboard Looking and it's not up good. there. And um, anyway, what I'm just saying, I can see that with a little monk robe sort of. Yeah, it could be scary. It could yeah. be more scary yeah. than all these I know. skeletons like, everybody's going to do. I, I see your do. severed hand and I raise you one monk. <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a hammer. With a hammer on an anonymous door. A door to something. It would be a little extra since we live directly across the street from the, the Catholic, Catholic Church. <laughs> Maybe you should do this. Maybe this just would be even more direction. Maybe you could just have someone in a monkey costume running up to the Catholic Church doors from time to time. You could have someone oh, else boy. could be Tetzel. <laughs> you actually could get a full on terrifying theater going in your yard of all Reformation oh, Day man. applications. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You True. get yeah, a little Tetzel, yeah. little Luther, little little yeah. fun yeah. stuff here and there. Oh my word. That's I know. really it's funny. Just, it really is an ugly time of year and we're gonna have to look no, at it. No, it's for a not. Month. It's the people being ugly. It's a beautiful yes, it's time a beautiful of year. year. It's just I really just, funny how when everyone's we speak like of yard decor. When it is I an see, ugly time. When I see the trees turning, I think <laughs> You know what I should do? I should make a huge spider out of cans and foil. It's like and they put it nastily in my yard. And then they have a lot of bones, plastic bones yeah. in not a the fan. spider web. I'm a big no, not a fan. It's so lame and dumb. I anyway. have to say, Becca, I don't think I told you this, but this is one of the great blessings for me. I've been really treasuring this up in my heart. Okay. On our regular, very regular drive home. You drive past what's kind of a hobby farm, you know, like just sort of a, I mean, I hate to call it that because I think it was doing its work before anyone was hobby farming anywhere, but okay. it's a little farm okay. and it's a great little piece of land where the creek goes through it and there's okay. trees and it's this non-glamorous house, two non-glamorous houses, but mm-hmm. with a lot of odd outbuildings and farms sure. and, yeah. and the the street that we drive on goes through the middle of their property because they have two oh, barns okay. on the other side yeah, and a okay. garden space. And I think I know where you know where about. I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, there's like a little grain elevator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, um, like a barn that's falling down and like a little funny cinder block shed yeah. house. There's yeah. like a lot of stuff yeah. going on. Haystacks, yeah. you know, stuff. And, um, Moses <laughs> just, it was like he just couldn't take it anymore. We're driving. I was just like, ah, oh, this is the worst. And <laughs> I was like, what? What is the worst? And he was like, these people literally have a rusted out old tractor on their property. Because everybody kept saying literally. It's literally on their property. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And he kept, he had a lot of things. There was a lot of things he was citing, but the rusted out old uh-huh. tractor. Uh-huh. And was just really <laughs> burning a hole in his conscience somehow. And then he comes around and he says, and mom, there is never anyone playing on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just died laughing because I realized that this whole grievance about the property was about the fact that 
It was a stewardship issue, but not the kind of stewardship I was expecting it to have been. And then I said, well, Mo, I don't think they have any little kids there. And he said, Mom, even an old lady could lay down on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, there are no excuses. These people are just wasting wasting their resources well you and i could maybe toodle down there right now yeah get up podcasting maybe we could lay on the rusted out old tractor while we while we podcast but then it's got him on a it's got him on a little yeah scene he has a really funny the halloween is it is all actually very connected because he's he moses senses things about things he just yeah. always has but yeah. there is another house that came up it's mm-hmm. over by um if you're on Lenville and then you turn onto Palouse River Palouse River Drive yeah there's a house you go right by that has uh vintage cars parked okay. around but they're like decoratively yeah parked but they're okay. also old Sure. Rusted vintage cars. He sure. cited that as another concern that also there are no people in those. There's no, like, he would feel at peace if we drove past that and there were people in there pretending to drive the old vintage cars. <laughs> but with the yeah. car just being yeah. parked there yeah. is too much for him. I, but I can see it. It's he like is also the one who asked me. swing set with nobody swinging upon it. Yeah, but I think he was like three, maybe, mm-hmm. when he asked about Halloween decorations when he was like, what is happening with this? And I was like, well, the thing is, when people don't know God, they celebrate weird things. Like, they don't know, you know, they end up, they end up trying to still celebrate, but they have Uh weird, and he, he made the leap to do the kids who live in those houses disobey their parents. <laughs> it's like, like why? Yes, well, I've all, I was just sort of like, mm, yes, <laughs> probably. I'm just going to make that leap with yeah. you. Well, probably. the thing is it's, I'm sure we've talked about this in previous Octobers, but it's the all who hate me love death. There is this obsession with the macabre and death and gruesome evil times right. that, that is just not what the joy of the Lord should be looking like. I see. And this is this is actually not when I say this. I'm just bringing it up. This is just a casual discussion with our listeners. Because I don't. I am not impassioned about the subject of Halloween. Yeah. So. But I do think it's interesting. I have seen. There's a video of a guy. Um, defending it. Defending yeah. Halloween. And dressing up year, as yeah. ghoul. Yeah. I've seen that. And he makes some decent, I mean, whatever. He makes some points. We are post-mill. We do believe that Jesus is victorious. Like, we don't believe that ghouls and goblins or zombies or that we actually, that any of this is really our, um, is really a dangerous enemy that cannot be destroyed by Christ. Like, we're, I feel very comfortable in that. But I think in the kind of little... You know how you can have the trajectory of Christ's victory is going up, but there is a lot of little ups and downs. And what we are facing right at this hot second is a time 
it is actually a time where you could run into sorority girls that are trying to be witches. For real, yeah, with yeah, their sure. crystals. And I was at Michael's just yesterday, and Lena opened up a book and let out a horse laugh across the <laughs> across Michael's and came to show it to me. There was a book on crystals that was giving you tips about how to stop bedwetting with crystals. <laughs> and I'm saying, if yeah. you're in, if you live in a world where the Instagram mothers everywhere are trying to burn sage and get crystals going, yeah. and also leaning into plastic skeletons and yeah. things like this, that I think it's foolish to act like this is not actually a cultural force right now yeah. that we need to be distinct from against it and and i do think there there are some i I would say this is a rhetorical point not a theological one but the when i've seen people defending going full whole hog on the halloweeny thing they Mm -hmm. say this is how we mock death and there's a couple problems with that one is if your your teen girls went out to one of these sleazy Halloween parties dressed as sleazy as possible. Mm, as and they were like, don't worry, mom. Zombie this sexy just, maid? This is just how I mock immorality. It's like, <laughs> what? No, that isn't. In in fact, that's not how you mock something. That's, right. that's not true. What you're doing is you're jumping in and getting a kick out right. of participating in it. You're not actually mocking it. Because if you're mocking it, looks like everyone else is participating in it. You're yeah. not doing a very good job Something of marking has, you're it. Not, you're not really on the target with right. how but this works. The second problem with it is I feel like we're actually warned a number of times in Scripture, both in the Old and New Testament, to not be mocking. To not mock. Yeah, the, to take it seriously. I just read this in Exodus, it, and I don't know why I hadn't noticed it in Exodus before, but it said, do not mock the gods. And then also in Jude, you know, it talks about yeah. that. I feel like even in First Peter, doesn't it, maybe? Or is it just in Jude? Well, anyway, in First Peter, it, at we, least it talks about your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, like seeking whom he may devour. He's talking about being cautious all the time. But Jude is like, you may not. Yeah, no, he says even... Mock, even the archangel Even Michael the archangel wouldn't do that. Yeah. Didn't do that to Satan. So there's there's definitely a rhetorical point. I just think it falls flat. And then even if that was true, that you're mocking the powers... I mean, we're told how to resist the world of flesh and the devil. And the mocking is not And it. that's just not... Yeah. It's... I right. Don't. And I think uh, one thing I do have to say about Halloween is I believe that the, that the winning, the reason Halloween... The one thing that I grant it entirely as being brilliant is trick-or-treating. I just like there's that is a really fun, fun. Yeah. like what a fun we all agree that on this day kids may go door to door and costume <laughs> to get treats like that's just super fun and yeah. and I love it from the perspective it's like the same part of me that loves being at the grocery store before a holiday and seeing the things that everyone feels obligated to have in their cart. Yeah, like I've got to have a can of cranberry sauce. If I don't have a can of French's onions, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> or just or just when you can see the jello and the cool whips and the stuff. I just mm-hmm. feel like I love those sorts of little cultural moments and trick or treating is a beautiful like that's a really fun yeah. idea. Minus all the yucky yard yeah. decor, but it is a 
Yeah. It is a fun. You know, though, pretty close to your house, there's a house that has the scariest Christmas yard decor ever. Christmas yard decor? Yeah. I don't think they meant it Hmm. to be as scary as it is. Huh? This really creeped me out last year. All, um, but it's only the house at Christmas, not just around the clock. No, no, but it's the house that is like, um, there's a house in our town, guys, that is, I was traumatized. I have to back up to tell you as a child, we watched some mini series of great expectations oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and I was not into it, not into <laughs> it. And the whole scene of what's her face, what is her name anyways? I don't know. Uh, Who's sitting around in her bad lace <laughs> wedding dress for a thousand years with the, with and they really did ham it up because it was like the cake was still on the table, yeah. but they're like rats the crawling around. Yeah. yeah, there was just like tons of nastiness, but rats and mice all over the table and cobwebs and a weird old lady in a <laughs> bad wedding dress. Well, it hit me hard as a youth. <laughs> It just was like, whoa, whoa, I am not on board, but they, uh, there's a house in our town that to me channels the great expectations, but of children because, oh, oh gosh, because there are no kids that you, I never see a kid at this house, but they put stuff out like they're expecting to have a lot of kids at Uh their house Uh and there never are kids at the house and it doesn't look like it's a house that's getting much uh, maintenance, but it gets no. a lot of stuff put yeah. out yeah. and it varies sort of what's yeah. there sometimes. Yeah. And I often find it truly weird. Like there's a, there's yeah. a swing set and dangling from a place on the swing set. That's like not, it's like midair. It doesn't make sense. Like they, they had like a teething, rattle hanging in midair on the swing set and where you just are sort of like what like nobody ever there's no application for this thing but i don't think they're trying to be creepy i don't think that that's the effort i think it's something else is happening you live in moscow and you know the house we're talking about if you're ever walking by you should note that there's like there's definitely kind of like a black sort of mold on things like the swings on the swing yeah. set. Mm-hmm. But the minute you hit the property line, there's no more mold. It's not, it, it's like on the plastic lawn furniture, there's, there's <laughs> yeah, mold, yeah. but then across the grass, there's not. <laughs> and I'm just like this, this does something, like something strange is afoot here. Yeah, but, yeah. but what's interesting about this <laughs> is that we walked by sometime near Christmas or we drove by and I was like, Oh my word, what is that? And it was a some kind of a light up. Um, it was a little teeter totter that had like <laughs> Santa and an elf or something on it. But it was, but it lit up and it was just silently teeter tottering in the front yard. But it's <laughs> probably with the moldy teeter totter. Yeah, I just yeah. had given the suspended teething rattle thing that was out there. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not, the creepiest Christmas not, decoration yeah. I have ever slapped eyes on. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, I don't actually know the story there. I'm sure there's a real story at that house Probably. because it seems like someone who cares yeah. about something strange 
but can't and get it, might... it done, maybe? Or I don't know. You can't tell what's happening. And it might be sinister, but it might not no, I don't, be sinister. I don't think it's intentionally sinister. I think it's actually... Because no. it will be like a wreath on the door. Like, there's stuff happening, but you just can't... Yeah. 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 Hey. yeah. That's my... Yeah. Don't do that. A... When you get hit Christmas, don't do creepy, creepy Christmas vibes outside, <laughs> either. I know, with a washerwoman with her tub. The silent teeter totter into the into the winter. You know, I don't know that we've ever really done an episode in which we just sit and and critique people's lawn art, but we could talk about mine if if we would like to bring up how I'm not succeeding at my own. I know, and I'll tell you that mine could definitely be the subject of a podcast right now because I. But who wants to hear us talk about our own problems? My porch is covered in plates and glasses from the fall banquet last week because when we were trying to get it returned from the kitchen, the poor guys that I had on the crew taking it from the kitchen back to the school, it turned out it was right bang in the middle of the homecoming parade and they had the whole thing coned off and you couldn't access it by any means. And we had to get it out of the kitchen, so they put it all on my front porch. And so there was nowhere else to go with it. So it's all there now and um, looking delightful behind the pumpkins. There's a lot of heaps of things and, you know, stuff. See, I'll tell you a dark time about my my own outdoor life. That table that's up on the Uh patio, we have two of those. Yeah. They were down on the other patio, Uh and I was like... You kids should bring it up before Sabbath. Somebody might want to sit out there. So they did. Yeah. But there were these two, like, concrete kind of little planters. They're not big, but they're heavy planters that we had that were on, one on each of the tables. Yeah. They lifted it up to move the table, and there was a vole just smacked flat (gasps) under the planter. And (laughs) on the patio table. Nobody knows how we did that. Like, <laughs> like, at what point did we crush a vole on the patio table? Like, there's no explanation Maybe for it. Maybe it was hanging on the bottom of the planter when you set it down. Titus does not agree with that. That's my only theory. Like, maybe we picked mm-hmm. it up from somewhere and mm-hmm. it was just clung to it and we set it there. And, uh, but he was like, well, but wouldn't you have noticed if you set it on top of a, like, cause it did have to crush the whole thing. That is weird. It's like when it we was were a kids, surprise. It was a dark surprise we that we kids, had. We were somewhere at the lake, at the lake and there was a hot tub. And, and so we went out and I think Nate was the one who found it. And it was no, like, we did we were going to go get in the hot tub, but yeah. we didn't take the lid all the way off. We just, just opened half it of it because yeah, folded it, was a... it. And so it, it like folded half over onto the other half. Yeah. But it was like really heavy particle board covered in vinyl or something. Yeah. It was like a big heavy yeah. thing. And then yeah. later when we went to shut it, there was a frog <laughs> that had been betwixt and it was splatted out flat. Just it was flat. so flat. And it had a like additional inch of moisture, like a body outline around it. Yeah. So it was not, it was a squished flat frog. And then, uh, went out, Nate was going to show somebody, I think like an uncle or a parent or something like come out and see what we found. Yeah. And it had revived itself and hopped away. Yeah. And no, you... I think it was sitting beside its own imprint of a smacked flat yeah. body when they went out and yeah. puffed itself back up. 
Not yeah. so the vole. <laughs> the vole. The vole did not it's recover awful. from its time it's that it had on our patio table. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we're being very morbid today. Well, we are a little bit being morbid. Okay, I want to go got... back to witchiness. I have yeah, a thing to say to about witchiness. And then I have something. Somebody sent us, I believe, somewhere, a song about witchiness. Some kind of witchy song video. Huh. I and, didn't see this. Well, I got really, I didn't watch the video, but I was very tickled by this because it is a picture. It's a song the song is... Is this because of the big... Devin Cole Witch, the official video. Uh, but this is what I enjoyed, was that every one of the... <laughs> Look at the, the clothes that they're wearing. It's totally the Earth Mama. The uh, Earth Mamas, but for some But reason, with big boots. No, they're like... They're like all wearing socks with Doc Martens. Yes, but th- but that's the point is that the one thing that separates us from your average church dress situation is the big black boots with socks with the dresses. Yeah. But it yeah. was making me laugh that that I was like, so see, when Target is selling all of these, when Target is working itself yeah. up to sell us lots of oh prairie word. dresses... Maybe they're aiming more at the witchy woman than they are aiming at the lactation consultants. Well, did I already say this on the podcast, maybe, um, that I was listening to a gardening podcast and then they were talking about, um, oh, snap. It's, it's like a step past organic. It's bio, bio something. And they were talking about how, like, this is amazing because you're basically, you're taking into account the planetary motions of, of oh, the universe and everything. Good. That's more but, So you're, like, so organic that now you're into astrology. And <laughs> and it's in order to determine when is a good time to plant and, and harvest everything. And I was dying because I was like, witchy gardening is something that has been done for many thousands of years. Like this is, this is a well-traveled path. This is not just like a new innovation in the gardening yeah. world. It was just kind of like, are you putting up a little altar in the back of your field? So also weird. But that, I do think that this kind of thing really, uh, is a good reminder for Christian women that like there were times like there have been witchy overtones for a long time. Witchy overtones of what? No, like, rewind, what, 10 years. And you have people warning of witchiness about, oh, yeah. like, well, essential mean, oils or like, things. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I'm saying that kind of... Go back to the hippies. I mean, they were getting... Right, but I think what I'm trying to say is... We're getting to the point where you can no longer argue that this had witchy directions. That there were... That this is actually the progression was into this. Yeah. Like, yeah. and as much as I don't think that someone with their little crystal collection has real power, I think it's probably a lot like doing mind-altering drugs, you know, like doing LSD or whatever. There is a spiritual world yeah. that you can open yourself up to and make yourself mm-hmm. vulnerable to in a way that you can be spiritually affected. Like a Christian, you're a believer who's walking with the Lord and confessing their sin and in the word is not in danger from 
random spirits that are going to come upon you. But you can get yourself to a situation where you are making yourself vulnerable. Like where you are Uh opening yourself up for things that you should not uh, be messing Uh with. And it's interesting because I think as more and more people in the world are doing that. You know, as more people are making themselves vulnerable and available, the more you actually, you know, the more Christians need to be prepared to deal with real consequences of that. Like the fact that this is actually, this is real enemies, you know, this Uh is real. It's not, it's not just dress up. No, I mean, to go back to the verse you already quoted, the devil is a roaring lion seeking yeah. to be made devour. I mean, like, we actually aren't materialists, so we do think that there really are principalities and powers, right. and there really are spiritual forces in the world, and we actually know how we're supposed to fight them, and it's through obedience and submission to God and the armor of God that right. is, you know, basic Christian virtues are not just so that you can have a nice little cozy suburban life, but it's also, in fact, this is how we... Well, it's both protective and proactive. Like, it's both it's both protective of you and your family, that you're not vulnerable to things, but it's also equipping you to be... And I do think that there's this funny ditch on the other side of the road where Christians will freak out, like, freak out on the internet if they found something that had a, you know crystal somewhere or a you know what I mean like it you don't know that this is an astrological whatever that will invite the demons in and it's like I I don't think we need to be spooked about that I don't think you need to like panic if you walk past that aisle in Michael's you know like I I feel like there's definitely the side the hysterical side of warning mothers we, everywhere. When we were somewhere, we walked past a couple of girls that were just like college girls looking at a display of witchy gifts. I mean, it's funny mm-hmm. that it's like gift shops yeah, yeah. where this is all going down. And one of them sighed dramatically. And was like, oh, I just really wish I believed in this because it's just so cute. Like, <laughs> really wishing, really wishing she believed uh-huh, uh-huh. in all the good times that could be had with crystals. <laughs> I was just like, that is yeah, so yeah. bizarre. And so I do think a lot of it is just really silly. I, you know, I don't worry too much that the occult is alive and well in aisle eight at Michael's in terms of like, I, I just, it's so stupid. No, but could it be? Could it be the downfall of, that would lead to much worse things? Absolutely. Absolutely. A million percent. You know, like, um, I read a testimony of someone that I quite enjoyed because I do love a good testimony where, where it's super messy, you know, like where the testimony is just like, this is just outrageous. Like it just went from, but it was a guy who, um, he was a, a witch, wicked Okay. Whatever. He had progressed in his life until the mm. point where he was involved with... He was like a black belt witch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> However that progresses, you know. Yep. But his comment was that it was not... It was not fake. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't think it's like... Yeah. He was just like, you know, they were out doing 
they're out doing weird and gross things in oh, the yeah. midnight of the full moon and oh, yeah. getting real not, you know, yeah. oh, whatever. Yeah. But his con- his uh, conversion involved, like, being physically incapacitated and prevented from participating in this. Like, getting violently ill and throwing up and being, like, being, like, like God just would not let him. Okay. Like, it, it was such a funny, like, then that was, you know, like, then there was this whole problem of how I could not be a witch. <laughs> I don't know. What do they call him? A witch? War, Warlock witch, whatever he was. Maybe they're all witches. Maybe it's gender neutral now. <laughs> um, but how it was like a thing he had been doing for some time. And then yeah, God just like put him. the emergency brake on him and he could not. <laughs> He could not physically participate. That every time he'd be trying to go, trying to go to do some ceremony, and he would like start blacking out and shaking and puking, like he couldn't wow. attend it. And then he was all—I don't remember the details about how that was, but it was all right around his conversion. That and he said it right around that started happening, and then all these people he'd known for a long time suddenly were revealing themselves as Christians. Like, like he didn't yeah. know it, but people. Just yeah. randomly would say, well, since I'm a Christian, but like yeah. all, it just was, I, but funny. I loved the messiness of God yeah. just being like, no, you yeah. won't. You're going to stop now. I'm <laughs> not doing that. Yeah. That's amazing. You got to love a good, I love how diverse those sorts of stories can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is God fun. does what he does. It's true. I was noting that in the, uh story of the exodus when we were reading through there mm-hmm. i was like you know romans 9 is an unpopular passage for many people but i just next time i go through there i just feel like i need to keep a running tally of how many times god said i am going to harden pharaoh's heart i am going to harden pharaoh's heart i think pharaoh himself hardened you his say heart two or three times romans 9 I said Romans 9, but I'm saying back in the, oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. actual Yeah, narrative. But then it would say, God says, I'm going to harden his heart. And then Pharaoh hardened his heart. No, it says that part so many fewer times than it says God, God did. Yeah. God did it. But, I'm going to do it. But the it does, but it does do it, use the two. It does. Yes. But it's yeah. like, I'm going to do it for my own to power show, yeah. uh-huh. to be displayed. Uh-huh. This is why I raised you up was yeah. in order that I would do this. You know, it is just... So I, you feel like Moses emphasized that quite a lot more than Paul does in Romans. <laughs> quite a lot more. <laughs> so it's just like next time, I'm like, I need to keep a count because it's, no, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of times. I thought um, I accidentally got ahead in Leviticus because I was... Ugh, I'm uh, trying to get caught up still. It's bad. I fell behind. I was my listening, but I went to listen in Leviticus and then... I must not have been catching chapter transitions because I was thinking dates were just really long chapters, but I made more progress than I expected. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think just really stands out in Leviticus Mm -hmm. is that, and in the Bible reading challenge, I just see people comment on this a lot. Like it can be a shocker to the system if you have not been considering your, Mm -hmm. considering how how what the sacrificial system was actually like mm-hmm. like how much blood how much 
you know. Oh man, I know how much. And but one of the things that's so good about reading that is just is just recognizing what the weight of sin is actually like. Mm-hmm. Like that this was a recurring mm-hmm. debt kind of, you know, like the the, oh, yeah. the blood sacrifice and how even going to do the sacrifice was not sufficient to keep anyone from needing to do it again because mm-hmm. there was tons of stuff, you know, there was ceremonial stuff that you couldn't have helped anyways. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed that I, I don't know what it, I don't know what the significance is, but I feel like it's very cool is that Aaron's um, priestly garment that when when God is describing to Moses, this is what you have to build. And it's all in the, like all the detailed, detailed instructions about the tabernacle and the curtains of the tabernacle. Right. And the priestly garment that Aaron is going to wear. And it says it has to be one piece and you have to put a a binding around the neck hole so that it won't tear. And I thought, okay, what's interesting is like, we know that Jesus's garment was one piece. So it's like a priestly garment that the, that the soldiers cast lots for. But right when like the curtain tears and back in Exodus, it's like the garment and then all the instructions about the curtains and it's like they don't tear his cloth, but the curtain tear. You know, it's like I don't know. It's what really, it's really it an interesting. Means exactly, but it's there's so much. It's like it's like a poem that you keep knowing you haven't understood all of the amazing stuff that's going on right. in it. You know, and that we won't probably till we get to glory. However, but the priestly garment thing is really interesting because of, uh, because I don't think that that Mary wove Jesus's thing in one piece because she was making him a priestly garment, but maybe she was. But the reason that they always would, um, why uh, do you think Mary made it? Didn't it say his mother made it? Does it? I thought so. I don't remember that. That's interesting. Um, However, I wonder if I just improv that. Might have. Um, maybe you're thinking of Samuel's mother. I don't think I am, um, because it said, I'm gonna, I'm looking to find out. I will say the other thing that I noticed too, is the, the verse about boiling a kid in its mother's milk, which I, you know, you know that that's a prohibition and it's kind of one of those ones that you remember. It's not in Leviticus. It's way back in the, it's in all of the tabernacle instructions. Which is odd. Maybe it doesn't say that. I At least I'm not seeing. I was realizing that people who care more about Mary than we care about Mary would probably have made a to-do about that. <laughs> if it said. I think you're thinking of Hannah probably. But, Maybe. Sorry. But, but the point is the seething a kid in its mother's milk is actually. I totally. If you'd asked me where is that command. I would have thought it would be buried in all of the like. You know, all of the detailed instructions that are sort of Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Sure. No, it's not. It's in there in Exodus. And the other thing, like in all the instructions about the Mm -hmm. tabernacle and stuff, it's like this interesting prohibition. Um, Uh Then, Can you pause it for a second? I got to give Aunt Meredith a tablespoon of baking powder. Yeah. We're back. She handed off her baking powder to Aunt Meredith. We've handled it. Baking powder. But spread around the neighborhood. The other thing I noticed... 
And I think that maybe we talked about this a little bit in last, we did record an episode, guys, and we did turn it in, and somehow the people we turned it into never got it, and I don't know what happened, and we can't... Our dog ate it. Somebody ate it. <sighs> anyway, um, but I feel like it's really interesting the way that if you're paying attention to the way God is revealing himself to like Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob and you know, the patriarch mm-hmm. and Moses. And it's, it's actually very slow and people, especially in the Bible reading challenge, get really up in a frizzle about like, I cannot believe that Sarah would this or that, or that Rebecca would do the other thing or that I can't believe the mm-hmm. terrible. And it is true. There's just a lot of gnarly stuff. But when you think about it, God introduced himself to Abraham and to, and gave him a promise and the only command that is recorded there is circumcision. That's the one thing yeah. they had to do. And then it's like, and it keeps kind of growing. And so right, but even, they didn't have... even the first command yeah. of you shall have, have no other gods before me. Like he, he gives that to Moses. I mean, they clearly knew better because they were down there with a golden calf and they shouldn't have been because they had seen all the work that God had done in Egypt and everything. But, but also, like, but also... That's a thing everyone's impatient with them about too, because when you read it, it just takes a hot second yeah, to get. But it's forty to, days. But it's yeah, no, forty days. But I meant how long it was that they. Oh, since the beginning. Since sure, the, since sure. they'd actually. It well, wasn't, Moses had been gone for forty days. I know, so. but when they came across the Red Sea, to when the golden calf happens. Yeah, it'd been a minute. It had not been, it was not like all in yeah. one week. But I do think that. though, that if you think about it, and I thought this is really interesting, is when they get out into the wilderness, the, you know, the, okay, it's like circumcision. He had told right. Abraham that. When they get into the wilderness, the Sabbath comes first mm-hmm. because they have to practice the Sabbath with the manna long before we get to the Ten Commandments. And so uh-huh. it was like they actually... that, I, And I felt like, you know what? That's really interesting. I had not ever noticed that they had to be in the camp keeping the Sabbath before they even had the Ten Commandments. Which is a, just interesting. Well, I think... So one of the things that's really... Uh, they don't know very much. But the thing is, is hard for us is that we go back and we take for granted... That we know Christ, the revelation that Christ has that we come, yeah. that we know him, that not just that, but that we have been given the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then we look back at all of them and feel like, I think I, at least for me, it helps me to think about, like, I don't know where in scripture it talks about growing us up into a perfect man, but that is such a good metaphor. I uh-huh. feel like for like, if you imagine a kid who's two years old throwing a tantrum about not getting his ice cream or something. It's not good behavior in a two-year-old. But that same man or the same boy, like, put on 30 years on it. Now he's 32. Imagine that guy throwing a tantrum about the ice cream. It is a completely different thing. And it's the same guy. It could be the same soul. It could be the same exact provocation. And yet... There's there's a measure of understanding that you have when it's a two year old because because they haven't matured yet and you're right. teaching them and you're you know you don't let it go but you still it is a it is a failure 
that is suitable to the position that he's in. And right. I feel like we now, looking back, are so snotty about yeah. Rebecca and Sarah or whatever it is. When we don't realize that, like, look, <laughs> they were they were dealing with a very, very different and set one of, of circumstances. And one of the things that we know we are being that way about is the old Hall of Faith. Because, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the funny part is, not obviously... We think that scripture, the revelation of scripture is closed. You know, that, mm-hmm. that final verse in the book of John I love about if we had to, yeah. if we were going to say all the other things Jesus did, it would fill the whole world. And yeah. how yeah. the things that Jesus has done is actually what's filled the whole world. Like mm-hmm. it's our lives, it's everything. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say, oh, this is outside. Like what we're doing now is outside of that. But my point is still those people like just Blair just told me the other day. She was like, I did not remember the part that Lot offered his daughters to the guys in the street. (laughs) She was like, I was a little surprised. Like she was, she was sort of like, whoa, man. Whoa. Like what gives? And I was like, God, isn't it? It's interesting because. God God uses people in circumstances and in situations that yeah. we cannot relate to yeah. to have revealed himself to us and mm-hmm. to have prepared mm-hmm. like wonderful blessings for us and and uh but that I was like and lot is called out in Hebrews as righteous lot like <laughs> and so in spite of the fact that we all don't think lot exactly nailed his departure <laughs> maybe maybe didn't nail there were his some criticisms we could have offered this, what we actually know about what lot did like the the stories that make it in mm-hmm. are none of them put lot in a really great light no i at least i can't think of any can you it no. starts out with that he's well, living no, in yes. sodom and gomorrah he is hospitable he's uh, well know. yes you at know. the same time as he's like the drawing the line that you shall not rape the angels was good. Yeah. That was good. But there's a lot of question marks around the whole scene, you know, Mm -hmm. then Lot's wife looking back, like, you know, like his daughters Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. on to get pregnant by him when he's drunk in the Mm -hmm. mountains. I don't think we know much else that he did. No. Do we? That's it. You know what I like? But we do know that he's called righteous Lot. You know, I thank the Lord for that. I mean, like, what a gift. I I think that, you know, when you're reading that little story, I think what's noticeable about Abraham is how open-handed and ungrasping he is. Mm-hmm. Because when he is like, okay, the land can't bear the both of us, Lot, you pick. And Lot goes for the best land. Yeah. And Abraham's fine with that. He's like, and okay. And then when he goes and gets, you know, he, he goes and conquers those kings, which, gosh, that's interesting. Like, those are kings from all the way over in Mesopotamia, like, yeah. over in Sumer. And that's crazy. But anyhow, when he comes back, he's like, no, I will not take this because I do not want it said that, you know, the king of Sodom made me rich. Like, he's very open-handed and yeah. very not grasping. And Lot was grasping and... Lot ends up in a cave with nothing, and Abraham ends up very wealthy, 
And so it's just, it's a really interesting. Yeah. But it's something that is like, I think it, this is part of the thing, like just what I was saying about how good it is for us to read all the sacrifices and things is because to recognize the weight of what Christ has actually taken from us, like what was imperfectly sort of filling in the gaps mm-hmm. there in this sacrificial system, mm-hmm. like how much death and blood for the sin of the people, like for, yeah. for the fact that we are fallen. Oh, yeah. And we're removed enough from that to, like, act like it's not that that our own lives didn't warrant that. But I think it's interesting because I do think, like, you you just say a quick prayer to ask God to forgive you, you know, when you did something. And then you move on, taking it for granted that it's forgiven. And it's like, it is true that we can do that. But it's also true... It's also we miraculous to... <laughs> that we can do that. <laughs> yeah, and recognizing that the once for all sacrifice of Christ was all that. I mean, that's what I mean is that it it actually made up for all in, of in that. these two thousand yeah. years. It made up for uh, <laughs> the, a total bloodbath from you know, like just uh, absolute. Yeah. What we deserve and what Christ provided. Like, it's so healthy for us to see it. But I also think it's so healthy to see it in the in the same way in these Old Testament saints. That's like, like in so many ways, they know so much more than we will know, than we knew. Like, right. for instance, Moses knew God in a way that... Right. None of us will have ever had anything, you know, just the like, wow, wow, Moses. But Moses was so not given all the information. Like he's just showing up for what. So I was saying this the other day to one of my kids. I was like, isn't it interesting if you think about like, okay, the Magi, they're off in the East somewhere, presumably in the Babylonian, you know, circuit over there. Mm -hmm. And they see the star, they know what it means, they follow it, they get to Bethlehem, they get to the house by means of their knowledge of the stars. Mm-hmm. I was like, and then I would be so interested because you put them up against one of our little NASA scientists and you're like, which one of them knows more about the stars? Because one of them knows masses more about the stars. I mean, with our telescopes and our sure. photography. And but they clearly would less run, in other ways. But, but it's like, but they don't know what it means. Well, and but, so that's, it's like, but that's also part of the craziness isn't it interesting? In, the, in the whole scene. And like, isn't the fleas the first thing that the magicians can't, can't do? make? Yeah, but, they can, but they can turn water to blood. They can turn yeah. their staffs to snakes. Yeah. And the fact that that uh, Moses' and frogs. staff. They got to, they yeah, could they make could frogs. The fact that Moses' staff ate theirs is... I didn't deter them. They're Just, like, well, we can still get a new staff. Yeah. We have that. I think that's really interesting because it's not... Scripture makes no claim that there was no magic in oh, gosh, Egypt. No. You know, like, but they're like, no, there's... There were real gods in mm-hmm. Egypt. I've actually seen... I'm curious if I believe this. I mean, I believe it in part. I mean, 
I know I believe it. I don't know that I believe that it's as much of a matchy match situation, but that each one of the plagues really is like. Well, it does say uh, um, particularly. It does say it shamed the gods. Of Egypt. Yes, and but especially since Ra, the sun god, was mm-hmm. there. That whole three days of yeah, so darkness. dark that nobody mm-hmm. got out of their beds. Yeah, it was, a little it was weird. like I was a like, well, that weird. is sort of. Yeah, and I just feel like you know, imagine if. You know, there's some of those languages that we have not cracked. It's sort of like there's no Rosetta Stone mm-hmm. for it, so we don't know what. And I am sure that there are linguistic experts out there who know every single thing about that language except for what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet that yeah. they have masses of information on it. Yeah. And they know all about the shapes and all the things. And it kind of reminds me of that because you're like a, a rudimentary fluency in that language. Like, imagine somebody who wasn't literate, but they they spoke it, but they couldn't yeah. write it. And then you have the, the, you know, doctoral whatever who could tell you everything about it. Which one knows the language better? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, depends on how you look at it. Because I feel like those magi, man, they, they got something out of the stars that, wow. And then they our, got the intel they were they looking for. But they didn't have any of the stuff that we have in terms of just the huge amount of knowledge on, you know, yeah. it's just an interesting, totally it's interesting. Is. And now we've rambled on. Look what time it is. We got to yeah. go. Look at us go. And I had something too, that I was going to say go that ahead, somebody say had wrote, wrote in about it. No, we'll have to do it next uh, time. But you, you were, you were going to tell me about a roast beef something. And I stopped you and said, no, you should say it on the podcast. Oh, she didn't even know. Whether I was... She started to say, hey, there's this, this really great merging, thing I did. This was merging. Um, well, I was pleased because I have a I have a grinder attachment to a mixer that I've never used okay. before. I had a meat grinder before I got this attachment. And I okay. used it for the first time yesterday. And I was like, wow. That was actually really... I had a big chunk of roast. I currently have like 50 pounds of roasts into my fridge downstairs that I have to figure out what to do with. And, um, the, I had, but I had the end of one that was like, had been in my fridge. It was not like it's gone bad, it but it's like, it was, no, it was raw. Cause I cooked okay. the other parts of it. And, okay. um, and I just wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. So okay. last night I suddenly was like, Oh, I should do a shepherd's pie, which I have a, I saw something from a lady on Instagram doing this. I don't, I don't, have a great affection for, well, I really have very limited experience with shepherd's pie, but Gordon Ramsay does a shepherd's yeah. pie that is actually totally delicious. And so, well, I didn't follow his recipe, but I followed what I remembered of his recipe okay. from years before. Sure. So, but I got out my grinder and I ground it into ground beef because I didn't have mm-hmm. ground beef. And I was like, yeah. I have a roast I don't want. And I have yeah. this. So ground beef and then grated carrot and onion okay in the food processor and cooked all that with then you put red wine Mm -hmm. on it like fresh thyme red wine some tomato paste yeah uh, and it's totally really delicious it's like a really yum but i did it in this is what i saw from a lady on instagram was in a twice baked potato like where you cook the potato like I, and so I cut those out and made the mash out of the insides of them, but you fill okay. it with the filling and then put the, all of the mashed delicious potatoes. Parmesan mashed potatoes on top on and top. bake it that oh, way. Oh, that is good. And it actually was 
really delicious. I bet. That, was like, that like was a actually idea. a good. I don't. I'm not saying that you have to start with an old roast in your fridge because <laughs> I think it would be fine to just start with the ground beef. <laughs> but uh-huh. and yes, I know it's technically cottage pie if it's not lamb. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. I'm. I just do what I want to yeah. do, guys. <laughs> and uh, but it it yeah. was actually a totally good. Mm-hmm. And pretty and like nice fun. Nice. That sounds like a so, great idea. It sounds very fall and delicious. yeah. But my kids like baked potato. Like it. It just whatever. It went. It worked. It would have been much probably faster, and it was not very complicated. Even though I was grinding the yeah. meat, and I, you know, what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm sure you could streamline this more, but it yeah. seemed. You know why? I think it's because steaming the potatoes. Because I did steam them. I wrapped them in foil, so instead okay. of, instead of just open skins, yeah, in the oven. But because of that, there was not the pot. Like when you make mashed potatoes, you end up with the pot from boiling the potatoes. Yeah. It is like more. Yeah. This was like less dishes, mm-hmm. less dishes mm-hmm. than you would make making mashed potatoes yeah, nice. because it was like. It just, whatever, but it was delicious and I will probably do it again. That's great. Hot tips for all of you. Hot tip. Yeah. There you go. And I will say they filled a person up like, wow. Yeah. Nice. Well, you head into it and then you're like, wow, I've been sidelined by this meal. I could see it. I could see (laughs) it. It's good. Sure. So that's my hot tip for you all. Awesome. Well, all right. I've got to go. I've got to do soup night. All right. We'll talk some other time. Bye. 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 Yeah.